Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Ryan, Big Jim and Goody are with me as usual. We'll be discussing all the major talking points from the weekend's Premiership and URC action, as well as looking ahead to the Champions Cup round of 16. Plus we'll be chatting with London Irish captain Matt Rogerson. So settle back, enjoy and make sure you're subscribed on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Well, Jim, you've been cool dead this weekend, haven't you, mate? Oh, I've been dad. How fucked? Yeah, I'm pretty tired, but I'm not allowed to say that. So me and Beck have this pact, or we have this pact, where regardless of what's going on, you say, it's fine, it's all good. So she's been texting me from Paris where she's been watching the Chippendales all lathered up in oil with prosthetic limbs and penises, and (laughs) she's been texting me, how is it? And I'm like, all fine, everything's fine here. And she's like, really? I said, well, you can't put really with a question mark because if you're asking me really, I'll come back and give you the honest answer, which is no. <laughs> Everything isn't okay. Oh, I don't know. She's deserved it. It's been a long three or four days. It is funny though, isn't it? Because Hindus, I thought Hindus were one night. This has been like a four-nighter. And gosh, don't I know it. In the bank though, mate. Yes. And this Hong Kong week coming up isn't in the bank because this is work. What kind of dad have I been? Cool or look? Given more detail of the Hamilton household, Beck has a frustration about bipolar gym. I'm basically either funny dad or shouty dad. Like there's no in-between. She wants me to be like the in-between dad where it's just kind of balanced, as she would say. So this one's tried to be that middle version of myself because the silly dad and the happy dad is singing songs and replacing words and reading books and replacing words. Everyone's giggling, everyone's screaming, and then they're all wound up and won't go to sleep. So then they get shouted at for not going to sleep, even though it's my fault for winding them up. Albeit we've had four takeaways, but I've not told better. that <laughs> <laughs> at all. Talk us through the weekend. Is the back left on Friday, was it? No, she left on Thursday. Were they in school on Friday or? Half day Friday, and then it's all a blur. I can't remember. Like As in, ask me some questions and I'll hit you with, What's what? Did Max think he was playing FIFA? <laughs> that is one of the best, best hacks ever. So for anyone who's not seen my social media, JJ, I was like, right, how do I keep JJ down? Because if you can keep him sorted and entertained at the age of 12, everything kind of follows. So he's like, Dad, can I play on my Switch on the big family TV, which Beck says we're not allowed. But I said, mate, yeah, of course you can. No worries. And then Max is kicking off because why can't he play on there? JJ, smart lad, gets his, or my old Sega... Mega Drive out, pretends to plug in the remote control. That's him and his brother Max for probably about seven hours. Like, absolutely <laughs> sorted. Absolutely sorted. Yeah, so that's one of life's good hacks if you've got any young kids. So that's one thing. Ask me some more. I can hit you with some more hacks. What are the girls doing? 
Don't know. <laughs> I've only just seen them on Sunday night. I don't really know. Ah, oh, no, it's been good. It's been good to connect with the kids properly. But parenting is hard. As well, a goodie, Ashy nanny, she might be able to tell you how hard it is. But parenting, I would say, as a forty-year-old man who played professional sport, had a checkered upbringing, out of all things in my life, I'd say it's the hardest thing, most rewarding thing. But I'd say that parenting is the hardest thing because in our family, right, there's six of us. So me and Beck, two boys, two girls, different needs, different emotions. Like, come on, like, how do you migrate through that? I don't know. I'll ask Beck when she gets back. What about you, Goody? Were you grinding your way through your parental responsibilities as well over the weekend or? Uh, yeah, a little bit today. I had a very busy Saturday. I do a little bit of work with a charity called Construction Sport. So they deal with a lot of mental health issues within the construction industry which is horrific actually i hear one of the stats is two people a day commit suicide on or within construction in the uk every day so people dealing with mental health so i've gone and done a bit of work for them we did an open training session and you know we used to joke about you're playing against a bin man a brickie a fireman whoever that was literally the session on Wednesday night. So I took Brad Davis from London Irish, the attack and backs and forwards coach, basically he's the head coach at London Irish, to do a session with me. And he led the session. I just joined in a bit. I can't run, so I waddled around. But the competitive juices got flowing again. First time I've been in a proper on a proper rugby field, doing a bit of coaching with some of the lads, doing drills, bit of a team game. And it was just good fun. It was brilliant to be back out. So that made me feel really good about myself, doing a bit of coaching. I realised that I could never play again. I can't breathe after about five steps, let alone <laughs> trying to even think about it. And people are like, oh, you should come and play for our local club. Ankles fucked, can't breathe. But it was great fun. So that was on Wednesday night. And then Saturday I had a busy day. So I was up at Leicester hosting the Andy Good Suite. And then I just put it in for the family. So I drove three hours north up to Chesterfield. And big shout out to Chesterfield Panthers Rugby Club. I did their dinner on Saturday night. Drove home. Got home at three o'clock this morning, which was great because it was actually four o'clock because the clocks went forward. And then the kids came in at half seven this morning. So I am absolutely fucked. And I'm going to Hong Kong tomorrow. But what I will say, you talk about parenting. We've had a good day with the kids today, but my heart is torn. Basically, our twins are identical. We've got Olivia and Isabella. Isabella prefers her mum to me. And I think Olivia prefers me to her mum. I've just put them to bed. And Olivia said to me, as I put her to bed, Daddy, if you go to Hong Kong, you'll break my heart. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Pulled on the heartstrings few tears and I'm like don't worry daddy will be back on Friday I might not be in one piece but I'll be back on Friday so uh, yeah we're flying out tomorrow aren't we Jim and I feel bad because people are expecting to see the Andy Good of 2019 who was very hungover but I don't think the ankle was fused back then and we played a game for stand up to cancer during the Hong Kong tens week yeah and you were captain and I was captain we're doing that again like you've written yourself off already I know that I'm in the best short line, probably Officer Evie again. I'm going to hit this short hard line, probably and run over. I'm not probably. I'm running over you this time, mate, because last time the thyroid was at its worst. <laughs> and when you hit me, it felt like a bin full of concrete. Not this time, mate. So you best be warm is all I'm saying. I ain't playing. I'm doing the kickoff and then walking off the field. I'm basically doing what Jason Leonard did last time. Stood on the sideline. 30 stone with a beer in his hand, so that's what I'll be doing. Oh, can't wait. Maybe not the same size testicles because he's got some huge ones, but... They've grown. Yeah. I saw him in Ireland. They've grown. I don't know whether this is a good thing, but I think he needs to get them checked out. I don't know if he's going. Before he could put them in a carrier bag, now he could put them in a black bin bag. They need looked at. It's all I know. Love you, Jace. 
Well, lads, we've been nominated again for the Sports Podcast of the Year Award, and we're trying to go back-to-back after winning last year. So if you're listening to this and you have two minutes to spare, just head over to sportspodcastgroup.com and give us your vote. Well, Jim, you tweeted about it. 55,000 people at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium this weekend for Quinns versus Saris. How good? Well, we went there. We did a little show, didn't we, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Great location, edgy, edgy. You say location, great stadium in a horrible location, let's be honest. Yeah, it is. I'm trying to be nice and edgy and talk it up. So, edgy location, but I have never been in a better stadium in my life. It is just unbelievable. And to get 55,000 casual rugby fans in there for a Saracens Harlequins game is brilliant. And again, yes, I did tweet about it because I think it's important. I have different ideas on the direction of the game from a growth perspective, the premiership, the quality of the rugby, the fact that there are too many games. But that for me, looking at that and watching the product and looking at the pitch and the cameras and the celebrations and everything that kind of came with it, the interviews on BT Sport after, on ITV as well, I just thought the whole thing just looks right. And it looks like the growth of our sport lies within them event-led spectacles yeah, I mean, we can go deeper into the ideas that I've got. The fact that I think we probably need to pull back in terms of how the Premiership looks week in, week out and have these headline moments because I think that just worked. And I think tip of the slipper, tip of the hat to the people organising that. A lot of work's gone in. We've promoted a little bit on the rugby pod here. Not that we've got anything to do with it at all, but the promotion was good. Mate, I was lucky enough last year to commentate on the game, the same game at Tottenham, but it was Saracens against Bristol. And it's an amazing venue. And what Saracens are trying to do around having a, a one big fixture. We've seen Harlequins do it at Twickenham. Other teams have tried to do it. I played in one for Wasps back in the day when we played Gloucester at Twickenham. You're right, Jim. To grow it, you need every club needs to have that ability to have one massive game somewhere. And Saracens are really clever. They do it on a weekend where there's no football, no Premier League football at all. Obviously, it's England game this weekend against Ukraine today on the Sunday. But so you can get loads of extra fans coming and watching it. The the big question around it, and you look at it and you see it, look how great it is. You can't do that week in, week out because of everything that goes into it. But every club needs to be kind of looking at these venues and these ideas around razzmatazz and and making a big show of it. And like you said on on social media, Jim, you know, the rugby is part of the whole day out, but it it isn't the be-all and end-all for a lot of people because some people are like, oh, there was no atmosphere. There was no fan noise. Well, that's the thing, by growing the game, you're getting different eyes on it and they're enjoying the whole spectacle as opposed to just purely the the absolute rugby fans that just want to go and see Billy Vanapola run over Don Brandt, who's got his dildos on his hands because he can't catch the ball still. Yeah, well, let's talk about that because on the pitch, Saracens were dominant, weren't they? They were. I love that battle between Saracens and Quinns and Jim, you've been involved in them. There is that bit of hatred there between the two clubs. It was a great game. Saracens overpowered Quinns. Quinns made a lot of mistakes from Saracens putting pressure on them, but some uncharacteristic unforced errors as well. And it was a real entertaining game. You know, both teams were going at it hammer and tongs. There was different storylines all over the shop. You know, the whole Smith against Farrell thing, Vunapola against Dombrandt. Vunapola wins that hands down. You know, so many matchups all around the field. But it was Saracens at their best. They played some really good stuff. Yeah, they made a few errors, but the tries, their scoring, overpowering Quinns in, in how they played. Billy was out of this world. And we said it a few weeks ago, didn't we, Jim, around when England got monstered by France, that's where you need a Billy Vanapola. And, and Borthwick didn't pick him for the Ireland game, but he's just gone out and proved the next opportunity he's got. Hey, you should be picking me again. And uh, let's park all our issues to one side. 
Two of the best players at the weekend, Billy Vanapola's Tom Pearson, two of the big things England are missing and neither of them are in the squad. So I think that that needs to be a shift. One thing which I picked about the game and I th- actually thought he was man of the match even though they gave it to Billy. I've always liked Max Malins, always thought a oh, good player, virgin on very good. I thought he was unbelievable at the weekend, not just with ball in hand, but that try-saving tackle on Nick David as well. Just the balance, the mixing of running, kicking, very, very silky player. And we had Andre Esterhazen on here last year, I think, to talk about the hatred towards Saracens. Saracens now the number one team. They look the complete team. Yes, they're going to have games, not necessarily where they hate, but like local derbies. But a lot of teams hate Saracens, don't they? It feels as if they've now got other gears to the rest of the teams. That's what it looks like, the way they play physically. Like Goody said, the balance to their game and, you know, having Billy Vanapolder out of contract. What do you mean he's out of contract? So he's <laughs> putting the big forms at the end. You know, what, whatever reason it, it is. He's given up takeaways. What a legend. That's what he said. Is that what he said? Yeah. He did an interview and said, you know, I'm back in shape, back in form, so giving up takeaways. I'm like, mate, don't give up takeaways. They're great. Jim's had them all weekend. <laughs> he had a Nando's black card. Not that that's a takeaway because you'd go in and eat it, but I think they took it off him because he was overspending on it. <laughs> really? Yeah. No, very good. I mean, and Andy Christie as well at six, I thought, thought was brilliant. Yeah. Well, the whole back row, really. Him, Ben Earl. It's crazy that you think about some of the players that are left out, not that Andy Christie is English or is he? Obviously played for Scotland, but you think about the players that are left out. Sean Maitland, Scotland player on the other wing. I think Saracens look a lot better with Van Ziel at nine. Yeah. I think he just looks like he's got that more kind of complete, the kicking game, the control. But nah, it was a very good performance by Saracens. And hey, I was happy to see it. Goody, you weren't happy with Luke Pierce, were you? Oh, if we go in GMO, Goody match official, <laughs> which we do. It's not, I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy with him, no. Why? I don't want to be opposite to you, but I'm going to be opposite. I actually really, really enjoyed how the game was refed with speed. And this is the thing, though. I know what you're going to say, because this is like GMO. Go on, this is GMO. This isn't Goody. This is GMO. It's different. The different people. The game was great to watch, right? But as you're watching it and you understand the game, and it's probably a little bit... If you're a casual fan that's just gone to watch that game, you think, how great is it? Open, you know, balls being chucked around everywhere. Breakdowns are just... Anyone can go in anywhere and do whatever they want. And it was a quick game because of that. But if you're a rugby fan that watches it week in, week out, you're like, hold on a minute, Luke... This is the Wild West at breakdowns. Like, boys were coming in from the side, off their feet, hands on, in the ruck. That's how breakdowns should be. Like, that's what I genuinely think. There's a law book for a reason, right? Don't talk about the law book, Goody. You've got Yako Pieper the week before. <laughs> He's brought out the law book, and he has ruined a Six Nations game. Yeah. Don't talk to me yeah. about law books. Hey, and he sent someone else off again this weekend in the Dragons game as well. But he got the red card right this weekend, did Yako Pieper. But what I will say is... We give, and I personally have given French referees stick about the breakdown. Like, anything goes, it's an absolute shit show, bun fight, whatever. Luke Pierce was just like, fuck it, lads, just do what you want. And that's how he was refed. In the first half more so, I think they had a word with them at half-time and said, Goody's tweeted, so you better sharpen your game up. And I like Luke Pierce. I, you know, I go back and forth with him on message all the time. You got him in trouble as well a few weeks ago, Jim, for saying that he apologised to... Jamie Ritchie for marching him back 10 metres. So I messaged Luke and I was like... A private conversation by the bar. Yeah, yeah. I messaged Luke, I was like, mate, can you stop apologising to everyone? He's like, mate, you can pipe down as well. So he's obviously been getting pelters left, right and centre because of you. So I'm just joining the, the fun here. When he looks back at the game as a ref, he'll go, yeah, shit, I got loads wrong there. But 
it was a great game and I was having fun. The sun was out, 55,000 people, and I enjoyed it. But um, some of the decisions, you, you watch the breakdown, Marrow's getting away with murder at breakdowns. Like, you can tell why he's such a good player because no one ever referees him. And they've started to referee him in the Six Nations. But back to the Prem, Luke Pierce is like, yeah, Marrow, do what you want. I think you look back at it, Quinns will be a bit frustrated, but Saracens played the referee and the situation very well. And Luke Pierce will look at it and go, maybe I just need to sharpen up a little bit around the breakdown. What do you mean the Harlequin second row, the big South African lad sat him down because he weren't happy? Is that what you were saying? Yeah, boom, boom, boom. That was a proper whammo, wasn't it? Well, another game that was well attended this weekend, London Irish versus Northampton. It was the biggest crowd of the season for their St. Patrick's party and we're joined now by their captain, Matt Rogerson. How are you, mate? Good, mate. Thank you. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for coming on. Good to have you. I was just having a bright moan. Well, I weren't. We were talking about the kids. Four young kids. I've had them all weekend. Apparently, you've got a young family as well. Is that why you're not out on the lash with the rest of the lads in the team? Are you not allowed out? <laughs> yeah, something like that, yeah. I've got a uh, I got a 16-month-old who my uh, missus is trying to get to sleep upstairs as we speak. So, no, relatively relatively big night for the boys last night, obviously, off the back of a uh, a big win on the on the St. Patrick's Day party. So, kind of licking my wounds a bit today and uh, and taking it as a bit of recovery, to be honest. But I know a few of the boys have kicked on. They're obviously going to continue to have a, a good weekend from here on out. Well, let's talk about the night out, actually, not the rugby. We'll talk about the rugby in a minute because that was brilliant. But big night out then. Where where'd you end up? Where did the boys go? Because there was plenty of Guinness flowing down at the GTEC Arena, wasn't there? Yeah, there was. It's kind of mixed. You know, initially after the game, we've got a really good relationship with a local pub, which is called the, the Steam Packet, which is down uh, just by Kew Bridge. It's kind of a bit of a local meeting spot for the lads after a game. They do a brilliant job. They put a little area for us up there where the lads can go and have a beer, have some food, you know, partners and, and kids and that are welcome too. So everyone assembled there. They extended the opening hours for us very kindly as well. So kind of we're there till about midnight and then lads kind of dispersed after that. You know, the, the different crowds tend to split up. The younger boys find their way to the likes of Clapham and, and places like that. And then a few of the older boys like myself might call it a night at that point. But um, no, it's good. Yeah, it's, it's always, beer always tastes a little bit sweeter after a win like that. So it was, uh, it was great. It was a good night. Yeah, absolutely. It just shows you the different kind of demographics and the age brackets as well, because I was randomly talking to Les Kiss this morning on the phone. Apparently he's going to the theatre this evening, which is Sunday night when we're recording. So why is he not out on the lash? He's an Aussie. I thought they were mad keen to get down the ship or whatever. He's gone to the theatre. <laughs> yeah, no, I think those guys like to keep their uh, their work and pleasure separate, to be honest. So, um, yeah, no, they, they're quite good at just letting us crack on and they go and do their own thing. Yeah, apart from like an end of season dinner, maybe you'll see you'll see Kissy and, and maybe Decky K out as well and, and a few beers, but they separate off quite nice and lads, let the lads go in there and do their own thing, which is quite cool. Decky K, is, is that like, that's his <laughs> night out name, that's is it? That's his street name. Oh, it's his street name, is it? <laughs> Hold on, Jim, you call him Declan Kidney Bean. Well, that rhymes, it, it doesn't rhyme, it kind of just flows there, doesn't it? Does anyone call him the Kidney Bean or not, Matt? I think it's a bit frowned upon. I think, you know, like when, when, the, man's, <laughs> when the man's dealing with the life. <laughs> I'm not too sure he'd be too happy with that, to be honest, but... I think we'll stay well away from that while he's still in control of our uh, of our jobs, I think. Yeah, definitely. I one, one coach I will talk about, I'm really good mates and I've uh, got a massive amount of time and respect for Brad Davis as well, who I know is a massive energy giver to you boys down at London Irish. He's involved with the attack, the backs. He basically does everything, doesn't he? But he's an absolute legend and his nickname for people that do or don't know is Viva because he always used to run a nightclub up in when he was playing rugby league up north called Viva. I think it was Castleford. But he loves a drink as well, doesn't he? Yeah, he's a great man. Um, I think, you know, gets on really well with the with the lads. I think he strikes a, a perfect balance between 
you know, he's serious and does his job well when he needs to do it. But then equally, he's got a really good, like, personal relationship with all the boys too. We haven't actually seen much of Viva Brad Davis himself, but we, we've heard the stories, mainly by him telling them, to be honest. <laughs> he loves to try and keep his own reputation alive. Yeah, he's a great bloke and someone I have a lot of respect for as well. Yeah, top man. On the outside looking in, it seems like you've got a group of really good lads, young lads. You've got a few foreign imports. The coaching staff you've just mentioned – you're fourth in the table now. It just looks like everything is really good fun there, mate. Yeah, we've got we've got a lovely blend, as you say. I keep saying there's no kind of substitute for the youthful exuberance that a few of these young lads are bringing at the moment. You know, like the average age of our squad. I mean, we have to look at the back row, and I'm I'm 29, and I'm like elder statesman as a back rower. Like the average age of our back row must be like 22 or three. Loads of young boys who are, who are putting in quality shifts every week and. You know, we, we've got such good strength and depth in our squad. And I think that's, that's starting to really come through this business end of the season because, you know, you have to have lads who, you know, you pick up injuries, you know, pick up knocks or you're in a tough run of games. You have to have lads who you can step in and, and anyone can do a job on the day, which which we've seen over the last few weeks. So, yeah, we're playing some lovely stuff and it's probably the accumulation now of a few seasons of building towards this where we've threatened and we've threatened and, and now we're kind of, we're really competing now. So not quite done yet, not over the line, not with anything yet, but we're we're glad to be in the mix. Yeah, you are right in the mix. You mentioned the back row then. I wanted to talk about what some people perceive as the superstar of the back row over the last sort of month, month and a half, two months. Tom Pearson, he has been absolutely outstanding, probably since I talked him up on the podcast around Christmas time, where <laughs> he absolutely dominated against Saracens, didn't he? But all the plaudits. I know you're you're the sort of quiet back row that does all the donkey work where he gets all the big ball carries. But what a player! How is he not in the England squad at the minute? Yeah, I know. Like TP's, you know, been an absolute star, and you know, naturally, I taught him everything he knows. So I've got to take a bit of credit for that as well myself. But, Good man. <laughs> you, know, you can see from day one. Obviously, he came in through the the university route. So came in as a as an unknown essentially when he joined us last year. But you could see the qualities that he possessed straight away that, that he was going to be a star player. You know, he, he's physical, aggressive, passionate, engine on him. You know, he had all the the raw attributes that you need. And, you know, sprinkle that with kind of the coaching staff that we have. We've really worked on his game with him and the drive that he's got as a, as a bloke as well. And, and, you know, like I say, you have all the ingredients for a top player. So I think he was really unlucky not to be involved in the in the Six Nations squad. I know he's been in and around that England squad. You know, we, we've, we do have a bit of an embarrassment of riches in the back row in England. So he's he's up against some tough competition. But, you know, I, I personally do see him as a bit of a World Cup bolter. And, you know, if he keeps doing what he's doing, he's, it's going to be very hard to leave him out with the, with the X factor that he brings. Yeah, I think he's definitely in. Just my opinion, that game again at the weekend, but mm-hmm. the ones that you've mentioned. One of the things that strikes me, Matt, with London Irish, and it has done, even when I was a player, was the level of talent that you produce, young lads. I mean, just to go through some of the team, Ollie Hassel-Collins, Ben Loder, Harry Arundel. You think of years gone by, like Anthony Watson, Joe Thokonasinga has coming through, and I've missed a load of players out along the way. What is it at London Irish? I know you've got a great academy staff of years gone by, I don't know whether Paul Hodgson's still there, Declan Danaher, for example. You had Nick Kennedy, who was involved um, both at the top level and in the academy as well. One, what is the recipe to produce these players and how frustrating is it as captain that you potentially go on to lose these players when they become at the level of kind of money and stuff that they want and deserve? You know, you touched on it there with the pipeline that we have in the academy. And I think, you know, we've, we've, got, a, we've got a brilliant set of coaches there who are, who are, you know, working super hard to make sure that these guys were picking the right guys coming through. You know, every year our academy intake seems to get stronger and stronger I don't know whether what they're feeding kids nowadays but they're getting bigger and faster and quicker and more skillful year on year and 
you know, that's all part of, you know, the, the amount of work and the professionalism that is going into, you know, their age group stuff. You know, the, a lot of these younger lads are around the, the facility when we are, you know, all the way through from 15, 16, 17s and 18s. And, you know, they're in the gym. They've got, you know, fully set up with professional programs. They've got all the S&C support they need. You know, the coaches on the field, second to none. And I think as well, the, the transitional coaches who are helping these guys come through from kind of senior academy into first team players are exceptional as well. So the likes of John Fisher, Dick Danaher, as you mentioned, James Lightfoot-Brown, these guys are exceptional in developing this level of talent. So it's it's been tough, as you say, to lose some of these boys over the years as, you know, they've, they've started to hit the straps a bit. But I like to think that we're kind of getting past that point a little bit now because of the way that the team has, you know, performed in, over the last couple of seasons. I think there's more appetite now for these guys to stay in the environment. You know, they they realise that this is, a, is an ambitious club and we're, you know, we're, we're pushing all the way we can in, on all fronts to try and win some silverware and to get these guys in the shop window for international rugby, which is ultimately what all players want. So I think, yeah, the, the trajectory that the club is on is hopefully kind of stemming the flow of some of these guys leaving. And, you know, seeing that now, the way we have held on to the likes of some of the guys you said, like your Ben Loaders and, and guys like that, you know, they could have cleared off a while ago if they wanted to, but they've chosen to stick around and, and it's paying dividends now. You mentioned the trajectory of the club then, and I don't want to talk too quickly around how successful you have been and how successful you are at the minute. Start of December, you're bottom of the league. You're now fourth after beating Northampton at the weekend. It was fourth v fifth and you boys came out on top. I spoke to Brad Davis in the week. You're not really talking about top four aspirations outside the group, but you're fourth now. You've got two games left yourselves in the Premiership. There's three rounds left to go. You boys must be absolutely buzzing to try and secure that playoff spot because that would be a, an unbelievable achievement, wouldn't it? Yeah, 100%. I think it's what every club in this um, in this division wants to achieve, isn't it? You know, everyone's striving for that top four. It's kind of like the the buzz term at the start of the year. You know, we're making top four, we'll go top six, we'll go top four. So I think, you know, it's it's always on, on paper being the goal, but, you know, the actual application and achieving that is, is a very different prospect. You know, you have to grind out results and not even results, but points every every single week. And I think, you know, you, you touched there on the fact that we maybe didn't start the season how we liked, but... What we were doing was actually, um, we felt within the group, we were playing some good stuff and we were losing games very, very narrowly. You know, we're coming away from tough games with two bonus points here, a bonus point there. And, you know, like even after a string of losses, we're still sitting mid-table, which shows, you know, how how well we were competing. So for us, it was just kind of putting those finishing touches on and getting some of those results over the line, turning those performances into you know, four and five pointers rather than one and two pointers. And now that's started to come through a bit. You've obviously seen us climb the table slowly and surely since Christmas onwards. So I think it's it's one of those things we can't get too far ahead of ourselves. You know, we've still got two massive games in in Sarri's away, Exeter coming back to us last game of the season. And, you know, the controls within us as a group and we've been massively focused you know, week to week, just focusing on that next step in front of us, not getting ahead of ourselves. And that's worked us quite nicely in the position we're in now. And, and we can't change that that mental approach that now, I don't think. Obviously, we've got back-to-back European weeks now. And then you've got your bye week as well, haven't you? So technically, there's three weekends without any rugby for you. How tough's that after having such a good win at the weekend to then understanding that you, your next game's not till a month's time against Saracens? How much time are you getting off on the beach in between now and then? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's difficult. It's, it's, bal- it's balancing, as you say, the, the R&R with keeping everything ticking over. I think, you know, at the moment, you definitely sort of say the momentum's on our side. So to have a gap in fixtures, you know, it's how do we keep that momentum going without actually playing, you know, a game next weekend or the weekend after. 
you know, a few of the lads who played a lot of minutes, rightly so, are getting some time off this week and they'll they'll take their time with their families, get away if they need to, get some sun. And then the week after that, we're back into it to, to get back in the facility and just keep working on our game. And we've spoken a lot as a group. Again, the leaders have drove this really well, as of the coaching staff, just on personal accountability towards the greater goal of what we're trying to achieve. So, you know, lads have to look after themselves make good decisions you know you're not always going to do that when you've got some time off you might you might want to let the let, let loose a little bit but you know you still have to make good decisions nine times out of ten and all those little little kind of things that lads are doing in their own time is all going to add up to that greater goal we want to achieve so everyone understands that really well and and i think you know it's it's imperative that lads keep on that over the next few weeks absolutely just lastly mate from me you played a season at jersey reds there's a load of talk around the state of english rugby at the minute i don't know whether you've still got mates who are playing in the champ i've had mates that spent their whole careers for shit money like next to nothing it was ridiculous when i think about it have you got any thoughts on the championship having spent some time there and this talk around promotion relegation and all this stuff around english rugby i think having been there myself like i obviously understand what like a fantastic league that it is and the quality of player that you do you do get within that. I think because there is such a gulf probably at the moment, whether it be not just, you know, financially, but also the way it's marketed, packaged, TV, all that is, is a huge gulf between the Prem and the Champ at the moment. So it's quite easy to turn your nose up it and go, oh, it's miles off the Prem. But, you know, a, a lot of Champ teams would, would run, you know, Prem teams a long way. And, and you know, it's it, it's a testament to setups that some of those those sides have. So I think, you know, it'd be, it'd be brilliant to see some sort of reform or some sort of investment put into it to allow it to become a sustainable league, even if it is as as more of a feeder set up to the Premiership or, or whether it becomes, you know, a competitive promotion relegation league. Again, I'd love to see that. So I appreciate there's a large level of investment probably required to do that. But, you know, there's a lot of quality players there, a lot of really, really good players and good teams and good coaches. And I think it, it's too good of a league to, to let it die and, and, and let it go down in sort of the fashion it seems to be at the moment. So I'd love to see a bit of resurgence for sure. All right, mate. Hey, thank you very much for coming on the show, mate. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, guys. Cheers. Cheers, Matt. Cheers, Matt. Thanks again. Cheers, guys. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians 
who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Top like Top lad. Very well spoken. Yeah, he is. Very well spoken. Yes, very much enjoyed that. He's um, he's like the the hard-working sort of unsung hero of that back row. And we talked about them with Pearson. You actually watch how Matt plays and all the nuts and bolts that he does around the field. He allows the likes of Cunningham South or Pearson to go off and be big ball carriers and just be destructive because he's doing all the dog work, isn't he? Classic. He's like a Lewis Ludlow yeah. is for Gloucester as captain. Good enough to play for England, like as in he's going to transfer that same skill set. The fact that he's captain within that team and you went through some of the names, he went through some of the names, international cap players, says a lot, doesn't it? Scrum cap on, yeah. robust, gets through a barrel load of work and as a captain, speaks very well. And we've just had a snapshot of how well that he speaks and the background that he's come from playing in the championship. Smart lad, really enjoyed that. Yeah, no, top boy, top boy. How mad is it, though, that London Irish now have not got a game for pretty much four weeks? So two European weekends, no game, then they've got a bye week, and then they've got back-to-back premiership games at the end. Yeah, the structure's fucked. The structure is completely warped. It needs a complete reboot, a complete shift, yeah. change, mental. Leicester look like they're getting back to their best as well, don't they? I was at the game, obviously. The Andy Goode suite was rammed in goad. And then I went up to watch the game in the Matt Hampson suite. I saw Hambo in his box and some of the uh, the directors and all this stuff. Had a great day, actually. Seeing Hambo always makes you feel warm inside, doesn't it? He's such an inspirational bloke. And then watching the game, and I thought, do you know what? Leicester are starting to rock and roll again. They've been through ups and downs throughout the season. They weren't in great form under Steve Borthwick. Steve Borthwick leaves. They then have a victory, a couple of losses, and then they've. I think they've now won five on the spin. And a lot of it, Jim, I'm going to say it here. I know, I know who it is. A lot of it. We've gone over it. I've already apologised. I think you should do it again because he was. I'm not exaggerating here. He was world-class. Andre Pollard he was, fit. was absolutely world-class on Saturday. Kicks to touch. He's booming penalties from his own half. They're landing five metres from the try line. All right, his crossfield kicks, perfection. I don't even want to... I'll come to the best moment. Tackling, he is sticking shoulders in like you wouldn't believe. It was a complete performance from him. He's got options left, right and centre. He's picking out the right options. He was world-class at the weekend. And then Freddie Burns has taught him the old chip and chase, hasn't he? Because he pulled out the chip and chase. How good was that? I've not seen a chip and chase like that. I don't think ever. That kind of, as in running straight, you could maybe talk about it more. Dinks it straight over and it pops like I normally see the boot going around it. I can't even explain it, but almost like <laughs> curling it over. It's like he toe-poked it over the top and it just gathered. I mean, it was... It was class. When I saw that, I was like, what idiot said he's too old? <laughs> I'm watching the game thinking, when we do the pod, I'm going to absolutely hammer Jim for everything he said about Andre Pollard. So, um, I, What do you mean? Everything I've said, I said one comment that I took back once I found out he was 28. Like I said one thing. You said he's not a Leicester sign-in. You said he's not, he's not the player that they think he is. Blah, blah, blah. Why are they signing for? 
I said I was surprised that Leicester signed him, and he's too old. He's a weldy, mate. He's play- and he's putting it in. Like You speak to all the lads around the club yep. and how much he's invested in the club. He's not. You see some of these foreign players come to the Premiership on a big pay packet, and they don't. They try, they try their hardest, and they try and play well, but they're not fully invested in everything that goes on at the club. Andre Pollard is, so um, yeah. Leicester on fire. And what I will say, Genji. I need to talk about Genji, because I watched him thinking, this will be juicy. Leicester's ex-captain coming back. He's a Bristol boy. First time back at Welford Road. And I've been there. I played at Leicester for 10 years. Right, First time I ever came back to Welford Road as an away player at the end of my 10-year tenure, I got sent off because I boomed Crofty in the face. And emotions get older you. So Ellis Genji's coming on. Bristol are losing. I'm thinking Genji's going to do something here. He's going to get angry. He's going to carry. He's going to be aggressive at the breakdown. He's going to try and dominate the scrum. He got hosed at scrum time because as soon as Genji comes on, Richard Wigglesworth brings Coley on. Coley absolutely shoved his head up his own ass. Genji looked like he wasn't interested. He probably wasn't. Well, he was basically patting all the Leicester lads on the back as if he was still a Leicester player, but in a Bristol jersey. The only time he got angry at the end of the game when Leicester scored the try right at the death as well and James Cronin's given him some stick and then they started headbutting and like, I think there was fingers around the eye area and he got a bit angry towards the end but really surprised it was like he wasn't bothered and I think that's the same for a few of the Bristol boys I think there's a big issue there at Bristol around the empathy and the you know the, the team spirit within the squad and there's, there's some sort of breakdown there yes they've won a few games recently but We've said it for a while. There's something not right there. And the fact that Pat Lamb's on a seven-year contract, it's only down to six years now. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a big change there at some point. Really? What have you heard? Jim said Gregor Townsend's going, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Gregor's staying with Scotland. Or is Liam McDonald coming? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, just rumblings and there's a lot of players leaving. And, you know, Bristol, they've spent all this cash. They've had an unbelievable squad. The hangover of losing that semi a few years ago when they were top of the league and got turned over by Quinns when they were, what were they, 28 nil up or something. They haven't recovered from that. I think there's a bit of ill feeling in the squad for various different reasons. And yeah, if you're Steve Lansdowne putting loads of cash in and now you're losing Randrandra, Piatau, there's a lot of other players leaving as well. I don't know. Big questions. Yeah, when you look at Bristol, they're now seventh, joint eighth with Paul Quinns. But they should be a top four side with the players that they've got. So you've got Ellis Genge, England captain slash vice captain. You've got Semi Ran Randall, one of the best players in the league, albeit was injured at the beginning of the season. You've got Charles Piertal, the million pound player. Carl Sinclair, England tight head. You've got Lua Tour in the back row as well, just to name a few. And you're thinking they're not in the top four. They're not going to make the top four at the end of the premiership season. So underachieved this year and obviously last year, considering they were semi-finalists before that. Well, producer Rob's happy today. Newcastle, how'd they win that with 14 men for 64 minutes? Quote, unquote, one of the best game of rugby Rob's seen. That's what he said to me before we recorded. <laughs> he was like, yeah, mate, I'd, uh, I'd them big jugs of beer, so I'd had a few. And I was like, what, are you telling me that that is one of the best games of rugby you've seen? <laughs> Absolutely steaming. I reckon he was. But that, you know, in terms of a Newcastle performance... And I've played up there. I've lost up there many times. Tough place to go and play. I can see why producer Rob would say that. On a Friday night as well. Cold, miserable. What do you mean no one's watching apart from us? You know, And people like producer Rob there as a fan. One thing I felt was really sad was the lack of fans there. Again, I have to say, I don't know, Rob, give me a, a kind of hands up of how many you think. One, two? Well, I'll say that, Jim. It's a little bit deceiving. When you're watching the game on BT Sport and having been there as a player for a, the home team and the away team, the view you see of the where the cameras pan 
is to the smallest stand ever that no one sits in, right? Which is the clubhouse side where the players come out and all that stuff. The actual stand behind is always pretty busy, I reckon. So yeah, I have 15 Newcastle <laughs> fans because Rob's holding his hand up saying three. I don't know whether he means 3,300 or three. Yeah, there's issues there, right? And I played in at Newcastle when we were in relegation battles and they had nine, ten thousand at the games because there was something on it. Right, they're now looking at. They've just got rid of Dave Walder, or Dave Walder has mutually agreed to leave. There's been a change of kind of ownership around. The Thompson boys are back involved. Dino's left. There's no relegation. There's nothing really for Newcastle to play for. It's a cold Friday night. Why are they going to spend money to go and watch the game? You know, there's a, there's a cost of living crisis as well. And and this is the thing around promotion and relegation. And Jim, you mentioned it last week, I think. Promotion and relegation puts bombs on seats. In the big games, people want to go and watch it. I played in loads of them over my career at Worcester and at Newcastle. And I'm telling you now, some of the best atmospheres you've played in. Some of the shittest games because the nerves are unbelievable and they're scrappy as anything. But that's what people want to see in sport. They want to see jeopardy. They want to see things on the line. Because if there's nothing to play for, and there isn't anything to play for, all due respect for Newcastle towards the end of the season now, you're only getting your diehard fans like Rob going to, to neck 14 jugs of beer, right? But it's difficult, isn't it? Because without the jeopardy of relegation, they're like, oh, I ain't that bothered to go this Friday because there's nothing really on the game. It's only Gloucester. And Gloucester probably had that attitude as well. But fair play to Newcastle. They've lost Dave Walder at the start of the week or the week before in reality. Mark Laycock's taken over, who's a really good coach, really good guy, and has brought through a lot of these young kids through the academy system. They have Palfreman sent off early on in that first half, you know, but Carreras again played ridiculously well. Obatiimbo, mate, if you saw the try that Radwan scores eventually from Obatiimbo's break, if that's Charles Beatel, that's memes galore. There's people going mad about it. Like he stepped about three people. Chesson Colby style. Exactly that. And because it's Obatiimbo and it's Newcastle, people are like, oh, I don't really know him, but yeah, well done. It was ridiculous. His skill, his dummy, his step, he's, then puts the pass out. Radwan saved Newcastle a couple of tries just with, I mean, I've never seen anyone quicker in my life apart from Lewis Rees Summer. I'd love to see that heads up, those two in a sprint off. But what I didn't like, they've got rid of Dave Walder, who's been heart and soul of that club for a long time. The owner came out and said, oh, we're not where we want to be as a club. Well, let's be honest. What? You spend and you finish in the league where you spend in terms of the amount on your squad. And... Newcastle at times have overachieved. They made top four a few years ago, didn't they? That's a massive overachievement. And an owner thinks, oh, that's what we should be doing every year. Nah, you need to spend money. You need to bolster your squad. And so for him to use that as an excuse, and it's it's Dave Thompson, isn't it, the owner now? I don't know. You just sat there thinking, reality check. Invest some money in a big squad with depth. Then you can talk about top four because, you, for example, you're talking about Bristol. (laughs) They're spending millions and millions and millions underachieving with world-class players. So, you know, for Newcastle, for the Newcastle owner to sort of pin that on Dave Walder, I'm like, that's a ridiculous statement. So I'm disappointed for Dave Walder. I hope he pops up somewhere else because he's a great coach. But Newcastle will always have that fight in them. They're a tough Northern team. You know, some real talent there. They're not going to be top of the league by any means, but, you know, it's a tough place to go and they performed exceptionally well on a Friday night. couple of things. Gloucester were awful. Worst I've seen Gloucester play all season. They, they were. What do you mean it's Lance Bradley's fault? What's happened to them? <laughs> <laughs> What's happened to Gloucester? Well, they've got a lot of injuries. So you look at, well, they lost Valrepav Ruskin in the week or just before to the end of the season. Fraser Balmain, Jack Singleton, 
just to name three. Adam Hastings starting fly half, arguably with Carreras as well. Some big injuries, that's what's happened. But you think they're in the top four. We're thinking, I've called them for top four, they're ninth. Bath and Newcastle are 10th and 11th. So that's one thing. Gloucester weren't great. I spoke to Ravo. He said they got the bus back, got back up at half four in the morning and no one spoke. They were like, devoed. And he, then he had to get up at half five to look after his four kids, which made me happy and smile. But from that, you think, okay, so Gloucester are ninth. Tough running for the season for a lot of teams. But that jeopardy that you spoke about for relegation, Bath 10th. I know they won on Sunday against Exeter. And Newcastle 11th, who just beat Gloucester. One of them two would go down and say one of them two if Newcastle go down you're like uh, imagine if Bath went down I know they're not going to go down but they could potentially finish bottom again they were bottom last season right they were and if they got relegated Finn would get paid out a massive amount he'd be well happy he'd be happy about that <laughs> either way but bring back relegation I think is what we're all saying well, we mentioned a couple of huge games earlier in the show, and this one's going to be even bigger. The Barbarians taking on the World 15 at Twickenham for the Killick Cup on the 28th of May. It'll be guaranteed attacking rugby, full of tries from two quality teams jam-packed with stars like Aaron Cruden, Semi Randrandra, Lamapi, Kurabidi, Nick Phipps, Johnny May, and loads more. Tickets are only 25 quid for adults and 15 for kids at ticketmaster.co.uk forward slash barbarians. Let's take a look at the URC now then, shall we? Big win for Glasgow at Munster, Jim. Comfortable win. 31 nil up. Without, the same as Munster, but without their superstar players. There was a couple on the bench that came on. Ali Price was involved as well as Ander Ferguson. But no Hugh Jones, no Sione Tuopolotu, uh, no Carl Stain. Munster, Joey Carberry, RG Snyman on the bench, Jean Klein. Coombs. Gavin Coombs as well, someone who we've talked up here. 31 nil down against Glasgow. Glasgow flying. Two players that need a mention, and you talked about the two centres that are missing for Glasgow. Yeah, I know where you're going. Stafford McDowell. Mate, McDowell, how good was he? And then the other one, and this is my favourite bit about it, Domingo Miotti, the 10, right? I'm looking at him, and he's. I'm watching the highlights of the game, and he's kicking points for fun. Ends up scoring 18 points, scored a try as well. So I've gone into his profile. I'm like, I need to dig deeper about this. I hadn't really heard of him. Dug a bit deeper, gone onto the URC website, clicked on his profile. Gosh, you love rugby. You love But this is the thing, I'm just trying to, because I want to give him the credit that's due. He played exceptionally well at Munster for Glasgow, a game that everyone outside of Glasgow would probably expect Munster to win. And as a 10, it's a tough place to go to. You've got to manage the game, the crowd and all this stuff. The win there is always pretty brutal. He played exceptionally well. I've clicked on the URC website, clicked on his profile. Domingo Miotti, they've had him down at 105 kilos. I'm like, I like him even more now. He's heavier than <laughs> when he was playing. So anyway, then I've gone into the archives, looked at the Glasgow website, and he's only 85 kilos on the Glasgow website. So the URC website has put another 20 kilos on him as well. But he had a hell of a game at 10. And McDowell at 13 made a few breaks, scored a really good try. They were on fire, Glasgow. And, and Munster came back in the second half. But that's a hell of a win. A massive statement victory for them. While we're talking about the Scotland sides, Edinburgh, what has happened there, Jim? Oh, Steve Diamond. Steve Diamond. (laughs) (laughs) I was chatting to Diamond the other day, actually. What's he saying? They're soft. They're all soft. (laughs) Where's fucking Jim? We need Jim in to fucking coach them and toughen them up. (laughs) You think about who Edinburgh have got this week. They've got Leicester in the Champions Cup down there. And the fact that they're fighting to get through to the quarterfinals... 
if they can win that. What do you mean Kinghorn's not a 10? I don't think he's a 10. Well, he played. Blame that part of it. But you know what? Edinburgh backed into a bit of a corner because I, th- I don't know who's making the shots or who's calling the calls, but Blake Kinghorn's been playing 10 for them throughout the season. Yeah. And it's kind of, is he a 10 now or is he not? He's not played 10 in, we played 10 against Italy. But out with that, how many, how many times at 10 has he played recently? I'm just saying in terms of being in form, going to a tough place, talk about a tough place to go and play. The sports ground down in Connor. They're a good team as well, Connor, are the way that they play. But that, I mean, to get 40 odd points put on you, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I've not deep enough into it. I don't ask too many questions. Mike Blair's stepping down as head coach. Is he going to be a attack coach still? Is Diamond going to take the reins fully? Maybe do a bit of digging as we lead up to the end of the season and see what's going on. You've got to give credit to Connacht, really. And uh, Caelan Blade at nine scored a hat trick. He was outstanding. If you get chance, lads. He's a good player, he is. He's a very good player. But if you get chance, have a look at the highlights. Blair Kinghorn throws an intercept pass to Caelan Blade. He's run it in from 80 metres. And as we know, Caelan Blade, he's not the tallest. He's a little bit vertically challenged. His little legs were going like the clappers. It was hilarious watching him run. Like, head back, and he was going like as fast as you can. You, you see, like, little men run. But fair play to it. He played really well. And they were good, Connacht. Ford in the centre was outstanding at 12 as well. Edinburgh didn't turn up till they were getting absolutely hosed. Then Bill Matter scores, and they get a couple of consolations. But Connacht's really good. They're t- it's a tough place to go, isn't it? The sports ground. Yeah, credit to the Connacht boys. Just one thing on Edinburgh, just to talk them up before. You think about the profile of their team. I'm going to go through it just to scare you a little bit, Andrew, and to use it the Andy Goose suite while I am neck deep in whatever in Hong Kong. So you think Pierre Schumann at loose said, you've got Stuart McInerney, you've got WP Nell, you've got Grant Gilchrist who's going to be back, you've got Sam Skinner, you've got Jamie Ritchie, Hamish Watson, Bill Matter, Luke Crosby, Ben Velicott, Blair Kinghorn, hmm... Duan van der McMurver, you've got Darcy Graham, you've got Emilio Buffelli, you've got Mark Bennett in the centre. Oh, hold on. missed a few other players That's as probably well. enough. Look at you. Look at you change your tune. Jesus. You and Dimes, eh? You and Dimes. Good team. On paper, just not in the URC. Yeah, they're absolutely shite in the URC. I think they've lost eight out of their last nine games or something. But when you name that team there, geez, they're coming to Leicester to do a job, aren't they? They could do a job. And while most of their frontline players were still chopping pints at Gary Ringrose's house, the Leinster Reserves drew with the fully loaded Stormers, didn't they? They did. And that was the one. You got one versus two. Leinster comfortably first, Stormers in second. And what I took from that game was, and you kind of just mentioned it there, Andy Rowe, Leinster's reserve team, because of the, the Island lads, and rightly so, have gone out on a six-day bend around Gary Ringrose's house. That's where they've all ended up. But Leinster, Bernard Jackman put out an awesome video of the work rate of Reese Ruddock and the team to get back one when the Stormers penetrated what a word penetrated the Leinster line and the work rate to a man in that team and the desperation Leinster didn't really need to win that they could have been like you know what we have put out a reserve team whatever that means it means very different I think in the, in the Leinster camp and the way that they they got that draw was good unbeaten though all season so they had that to protect they've not lost a game all season they still haven't lost a game they'd won every single game up to that point hadn't they and they were 17-0 down Marnie Leboc at 10 was class with the Stormers but Leinster do what Leinster do whoever's playing they find a way and they actually chose to take the draw at the end they kicked it out to take the draw Leinster did so all the lads will be back off the steam sobered up this week for the Champions Cup and um, it'll be back to normal business I reckon 
That's what I mean. With these games, right, they're a slog to get to this point, isn't it? Like, again, going back to these big off events, I know you need to get to that place, but how good to see a fully loaded Leinster versus a fully loaded Stormers at the Aviva, for example. You will. One of the finals. All the semis. I just wish we'd get there quicker. We didn't have to go through all this pain and drama. Don't wish your life away, James. We're going to Hong Kong. I know. By Thursday, you want to wish it all away and, and want to be home telling the kids you love them. <laughs> Because we're going hard. Gosh. If you say we're going hard, we're going hard. <laughs> I'll pack the vapes, mate. That's all you need to know. All I know is that you can't wear masks anymore. But I think I'll be taking my mask and just wearing it over my eyes, <laughs> and my nose, and my mouth. And some positive news, finally, for Wales, for Welsh rugby. Drags weren't far away from Ospreys. No. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, 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 no. No. They got hosed, Jim. But the Scarlets, and fair play, they took on a fully loaded Sharks team. So they had all the boys. They had Oxnish, they had Bongi and Buambi, they had Sia Khaleesi, Etzebeth, Ma Pimpy played. They were fully loaded, the Sharks, but the Scarlets, credit to them. Steph Evans on the wing played exceptionally well. It's a big victory that is at home. And, you know, you're looking at, actually, all South African teams that are in the Champions Cup. So the Bulls went to Ulster and lost. The Sharks went to the Scarlets and lost. And obviously, we, we just spoke about the Stormers taking their first team over to Leinster and Drew, but mate, they all went fully loaded over for this round of games and fair play. Scarlet's big shout out to those boys. Costello at 10, kicked a load of points, played exceptionally well. I like him. He was at Leicester, he was. Yeah, Leicester boy, but Welsh as they come. So yeah, massive shout out to the Scarlet's boys. That's a big victory over the Sharks. Well, I know you boys have got one foot on the plane that might seem like a long way away at the moment, but the Champions Cup round of 16 next week, any games in particular that you're looking forward to? Well, I'll tell you what I'm not looking forward to now after Jim's just literally named the whole of the Scotland team that are going to be playing for Edinburgh. I was thinking, oh, Leicester on great form. They're definitely going to breeze past Edinburgh. Nah. And I'll be hungover because I'm landing back in the country five o'clock on Friday morning straight up to Leicester. Eyeballs hanging out my head. But yeah, I th- Edinburgh can do a job, can't they? Now you've named that team, Jim. So I'm looking forward to that. I think the Stormers against Quinns will be an exciting game as well. Two teams that like to chuck it around. Quinns have got to find something. Their season is... I wouldn't say it's 100% over in the Prem, but it's probably 95% over in the Prem. So this is their only chance of silverware. So going down to the DHL Stadium, that'll be a big one to watch. And Leinster-Ulster is always a big one. We saw Ulster, they should have beaten Leinster early in the season, shouldn't they, but gave up a big lead. And that's always going to be a spicy affair. So looking forward to those ones. Jim? Toulouse Bulls on Sunday. Bulls, finalists of the URC last year. Big, physical, a bit old school. To lose, well, we know to lose are unreal, aren't they? Yeah, I'm also covering the Sharks against Munster, my old team. So Munster, can they bounce back? They've got big European pedigree. And it'd be interesting to see how the South African teams go in the knockout stages. Sharks, obviously, at home. And then on Sunday, I'm down to Exeter against Montpellier, which will be a good game if Montpellier rock up with their A-team. So uh, Exeter was shocking at Bath on Sunday. So they need to sort of pull their socks up a bit. Rob Baxter went pretty hard at the players after the game as well, saying he's going to make a load of changes. So I'm expecting a big bounce back from them in terms of their performance. And again, for Exeter, it might be the only thing they've got to play for as well. So yeah, looking forward to those games. You think on that Montpellier-Exeter game as well, the added mix of Sam Simmons going to Montpellier, Zach Mercer, who's now back fit, off to Gloucester, Luke Cowan-Dickey as well. I know he's not going to be playing, but a little bit of a story, if you like. Right, should we finish things off then with the good, the bad and the ugly? Yeah, plenty of good this week. We'll start off in the women's game and a big shout out to Sarah Hunter for playing her 141st England international. She bowed out of the women's game at her 
hometown, basically, up in Newcastle in the Women's Six Nations. So big shout out to Sarah Hunter. Saracens get a shout out in the goo this week for putting on a show both off the field in terms of getting 55,000 people into the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, but also on the field and how they performed a big victory over Harlequins. London Irish get a shout out as well. There's St. Patrick's Day party in Brentford, beating the Saints with some scintillating rugby. I thought Ben Loder was ridiculously good, as was Tom Pearson, who had 15 carries, six defenders beaten, one try and 14 tackles. So a uh, big shout out to Tom. What else was good? Leicester Tigers dominated Bristol's Andre Pollard. Jim wrote him off earlier in the season. But he was world-class at the weekend, scoring 19 points and getting a chip and chase try as well. So well done to him. Bath, get a mention of the good. We skipped over their game because they're near the bottom of the league, so who cares? But Cam Redpath and Ollie Lawrence were absolutely sublime in the centres for them. They carved up Exeter like you wouldn't believe on Sunday. So a massive shout-out to the Bath boys. Glasgow, they're going to get a shout in the good. Huge win for them in Munster. We talked about it earlier, scoring five tries. And Domingo Miotti, the fly-off, got 18 points, including a try. So big shout-out to him. La Rochelle, get a shout-out in the good. They destroyed Bordeaux, 36 points to six at Bordeaux. Toulon, they got an away victory at Lyon. They get a shout-out in the good. Big shout-out to Poe. Jim, you see anything to do with that one? I did. I saw the hysteria and the build-up in what was... And near the bottom of the table clash, if not the bottom of the table, was it against Bayon? Unreal. Mate, Bayon were top six, but Pooh were near the bottom. Oh, okay. Yeah, Bayon took their home game to San Sebastian and played at the Real Sociedad home ground. And Pooh went down there, away team, and took the spoils and got themselves out of 13th place in the top 14. For people that don't know, if you're 13th, you have a playoff game to stay in the top 14 next year. So big shout out to the Pooh boys. They've been in the bad a few times, so we'll give them a shout out in the good. But the good this week goes to the Scarlets, and we spoke about it earlier. They beat a fully loaded Sharks at home, 32 points to 20. Sia Khaleesi came with the troops, Etzebeth, Oxnich, Bongi Mbawambi, Ma Pimpi, Lukanyuam, they're all playing. And Sam Costello and Steph Evans took them to the cleaners. So a massive shout out to the Scarlets boys. They get the good this week. It's not often any Welsh team gets to mention the good, let alone wins it. They've sorted out the vote around the WIU as well and changing what's going on at board level. So, Welsh rugby, you get the good. Scarlets, you're on the way back, lads. The bad, few bits of bad. We're going to start off with Bristol's. They were really, really poor at Leicester Tigers. I thought Genji, when he came on, really bizarre performance. Only scrapping after the final whistle. Didn't really show much when he came on, but collectively I thought Bristol's were poor. Gloucester, get a shout in the bad this week, Jim. Very poor up in... Newcastle at Kingston Park against 14 men for a big chunk of the game. That's probably cost them their chances of the top four playoffs. Munster get a shout out in the bad this week. Uh, they were 31 nil down, as we spoke about, at home to Glasgow. Bordeaux are in the bad this week. They lost 36-6 at home to La Rochelle. Breve, my old club, Jim, they get a mention in the bad this week. Again, they lost 38-10 at Claremont and had two players sent off, and we'll come on to that in a bit. Edinburgh. They took 40 points at Connacht. That's eight out of nine losses in the URC. But as Jim says, they got the old Scotland team coming back this weekend, so they'll be all right. The Dragons, of course, they're in the bad. They got absolutely pumped at the Ospreys. But the bad this week goes to Exeter Chief Chief Chiefs. And I feel bad for doing this because we're going down there in a few weeks to do a dinner, aren't we, Jim? But they were shocking at Bath, defensively all over the place. It was a bit of a game to them going to the bottom of the table team, trying to get towards the top four didn't turn up on a Sunday, sunny day, you thought... Derby. Well, a, a two-hour derby, yeah, if you can call it that. Um, but you thought you'd see a lot more from them. So very disappointing from Exeter Chiefs. And that's why those boys get the bad this week. 
And then the ugly, a few bits of ugly to get through. We're going to start off with two brief players, James. Setareki Bituniyata and Marcel van der Merwe both got sent off a brief uh, for violent acts against Claremont. So they get a shout out in the ugly. Richard Palfreman, a shoulder to the head of Freddie Clark. He gets a shout out in the ugly. But the ugly this week goes to C.O. Tompkinson, who had a flying shoulder to the head of Jack Walsh in the Dragons' defeat to Ospreys away from home. C.O. Tompkinson... Nah, I'm not having it. Awful shot. That's why you get the ugly. And that is why the Dragons ain't winning any games. Thanks, Goody. And you guys have got some shout-outs to finish off with, don't you? Yeah, just the one from me today. And it's a big shout-out to Georgia Newman and the Southampton Uni women's team who beat Portsmouth 31-5 in their varsity match last Sunday. Congrats to all the girls and a brilliant effort. Yeah, and a massive shout-out as well to the Curry Chieftains under-13s who are off touring to Northumberland. So as long as you steer clear of producer Rob, you'll have a great time. But shout out to the Curry Chieftains under-13s. Chief, Chief, Chief. Thanks, Goody. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, producer Rob. And thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. Rugby Spod. Spotty Pod, 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 Pod. (laughs) 